This podcast is made in association with Wave Motion Canon. You can contact us on Twitter at Show or email us at warridesho at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, like, subscribe, follow and share. Hello everyone, welcome to Warrior Death Show, the only podcast on the internet that consistently fails to update consistently. Yeah, that's a bit of a tongue twister for you there. But in aid of actually getting some more content out, we're coming up with something a little different this time around, something a bit unusual for ourselves. So normally, for those of you who are familiar with the show, what we tend to do is we tend to have our very in-depth, feature-length looks at particular shows from all across time and all across genres. It's just more of a democratic process of picking anything that might take our fancy from the great to the absolutely bloody dreadful you're probably all familiar with this skit by now but what we decide to do this time around is we're actually going to look at a currently airing show as it airs and release our thoughts on the show uh, episode by episode week by week um joining me for this particular endeavor is none other than uh, the mr subtle doctor i'm ready to break new ground we always are. We always are. This is a completely new thing that no one's ever thought of doing before. Nah, 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 nah. This is this is absolutely innovative, completely, you know, unheard of in the world of anime podcasting, or in general. A week-by-week commentary or an episode-by-episode commentary is completely and utterly new. I swear blind, and also I'm now going to reveal that I'm a flat surfer. One small step for weebs, one giant leap for nerdkind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the topic, that, or rather the show that we've decided to have a look at, although it is currently airing and is already more than half done, we're going to play catch up with it, but we felt it was worth discussing because of how good it is, uh, is a show that I think a lot of people are quite excited about and enjoying a lot, which is Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Yes, indeed. I don't unfortunately know the Japanese titles at hand. Uh, what I can find is uh, Netoju no Susume. The recommendation of the wonderful virtual life. That's the one. So, in other words, it's a prequel to The Matrix. <laughs> Thank God it's not that. Oh boy, the rever- the, the reverse red pill. Man, um, Jesus. But no, it's I'm I'm it's happy not... that we're. Can I just say, like, the genesis of this idea, um, was that I feel like we've been just watching and subjecting our listeners to our commentary about a fair bit of subpar anime lately yep from the disappointing to the outright horrific uh we've been we've been doing a a fair bit of bad anime and we have a couple episodes about good anime full-length episodes uh being edited but uh i wanted to get some more content out there as you said about a good show and this i think is a very good show at least up to this point well as you as you say doc it is a very good show so far and Lord knows I've been burned by that earlier this year. Oh, boy. Grind my teeth a little bit thinking oh about boy. that, but I won't mention it. But um, <clears throat> on to the show itself. So, Recovery of an MMO Junkie is a 10-episode show, and the premise is simply this. We have a lady. She's 30. She's single. She quits her job and then becomes a neat. And for those of you unfamiliar with the acronym, um, it is not in education, employment, or training. So you're doing nothing productive. Bit of a derisive term, in, uh, especially in England. Do, oh, oh, can I ask you a question? Do, do they use the term, did you say divisive term in England? Derisive. Yeah, that, sorry, derisive. Did they use the term neat 
in the UK. They do. Oh, see, I had never heard it before I got involved in anime culture. It's not, you know, maybe it's my age, but um, it's not a term that I had heard ever thrown around. I think it's been used in some subset of employment statistics. Um, mm. I have certainly heard of it before, though, and that's where I know of the acronym from. Gotcha. So I was briefly a neat for a time. Briefly, thankfully. Ugh, that was an awful period. But anyway, so <laughs> I wasn't playing World of Warcraft then either. Um, so that's the premise, really, at the start of it. Marioka quits her job and starts playing this MMO that she's found called Fruits de Mer, or Fruits of the Sea, or... Well, there's, there's not really much sea in it. There's, there's a little bit of it, but... I like the way that the Japanese characters pronounce fruits. In the t- it's just like, Fruits de Mer. <laughs> like, it's, it almost sounds French. To be fair, mare is the French word for sea, so you're onto something there. But um, this show, right, when you think of that premise on the face value, there are any number of ways that you can take this. You could have it be a comedy. You could have it be something very serious. Or you could have it be all sorts of different things. For the first episode, at least, I think what surprised me the most was that it manages to blend a nice bit of comedy with it, also with a surprising amount of sincerity. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of heart to this show, but the the humor's also really welcome. Like I unfortunately watched one episode of Umaru earlier this year, like about a month and a half back, uh, which someone quite appropriately described to me as anime Garfield, and I found it insufferable. And on paper, you've not got too dissimilar a premise here. You've got someone who spends all their time on a computer doing the well, to be fair, Amaru was not neat, but she was far worse than that. So you got that kind of comedy setup in Amaru, which I hated. And there's a comedy setup here, but it's actually genuinely funny. And I care about what's going on, which yeah. is the most staggering thing. Yeah, I think the um, point of view of uh, the author was really influential in like, just ha- the fact that this has such a different tone from things like Umaru or other shows that that might have neat protagonists. This is based on a Jose manga. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, written by a lady for ladies. Uh, ah. Not not like teenagers either, for adult women. This, this comic book is for that demo, and that gives it kind of a different flavor than you might be normally used to with a show with a title like this. I mean, I... I know when I saw it come up in the sort of glut of shows that were airing in the fall, I thought to myself, okay, great, it's, here's an otaku bait show. Like, I was, I I get uh, aggravated at people for, you know, judging things too quickly, and of course, here I was, giant hypocrite, like, just seeing a title of a show and completely writing it off. And thankfully, uh, a friend in Discord uh mentioned it and said hey you should give this a shot it's it's jose you dig it i have to say like i had a similar thought to you like when i read the premise like when it started airing a couple of weeks back i just thought so it's sword art mom line then which is a top tier pun that which i was like no thanks i'll skip this dodge that bullet and once again i have to you know hold my hands up and say i presumed too much and i have done that before I've done that before with shows we've watched, shows we've reviewed here, where I've just said, "Yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be," bleh. and then next thing you know, I watch it like, "Oh, 
Yeah. That was pretty brilliant, actually. Quite Self impressed. Self-defense mechanism. Where are you going to... So, so what is this episode actually about? Well, much as any other episode one is, we get the premise set up, but there's a nice couple of things happening in it that establish its thesis. Because I think the show does also have a bit of a message behind it, or something rather that it, an idea it raises and then is challenging or testing. Mm. So, to give some more context here, in the opening, by the way, the opening minute of two of this show is pretty brutally effective. Because we have Morioka come home, and she just comes in her flat, her apartment, which is just a, like a studio bedroom affair kind of thing. One I've actually lived in, in similar to that in the past. She just says, I'm home. There's nothing there. It's so spartan. And then she just collapses on bed. And I'm just like... A, just a cat clock. And uh, yeah. and she shows her appreciation for the flowers that her you know, employment gave her on her last day of work by immediately chucking them in the garbage. Yeah, she's quit her job and immediately gets rid of those. And I just forced myself in this opening minute, I was just like, I just want to give her a hug. I know. I was just like, you poor woman. She seems so trodden down. Yes, absolutely. So what she does is the following day, uh, which is contrasted with people waking up and going to school, uh, that's the thing we see outside, mm -hmm. she gets a PC and tries to log back into an MMO that she played previously, but the MMO has now been closed down, it's out of business. So this is what leads her to picking up the MMO we mentioned earlier, Fruits of Air. She gets into the game world and decides, okay, as a, as a former World of Warcraft player, here's the in-joke for you people who do play World of Warcraft. This is like, you know, starting out in Goldshire and deciding your first thing to do will be to fight Hogger. Bad move. You know, you don't <laughs> you don't come out of the starting gate and fight something that will kill you in one hit. The cutest first boss. Yeah. I would have thought Morioka would have like remembered that. Like, oh yeah. Maybe I should level up first. Nah, I can take this. I got this. I mean, given the fact that her character is literally armed with a stick, that's the starting weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We should talk about her character, though, and how she created it, uh, and the fact that it's significant, for this show anyway, that she decides to be uh, a man. Yes. In fact, the first, the first episode is called um, Woman IRL Man Online. Correct. I can, well, not personally not being a woman, but I can attest to having heard and seen firsthand the fact that if you tend to play a woman online or reveal your identity as a woman online, you'll just get all sorts of shit sent your way i mean there's that I, there's that age-old phrase unfortunately which is tits or gcfo Ugh, jesus christ so it's not surprising to me as someone who you know she's starting to play this game as escapism having just come out of a like you know a arduous like downtrodding job that she would play a male character yeah, because it's an immediate deflection of any of that sort of rubbish that gets would get sent her way otherwise. And it's and he's a hot guy, not oh, just he's, a, yeah. <laughs> like and she makes the comment right after my hot male character complete. Yeah, like and there's a couple other moments in the episode where you just sort of see like she she falls for adorable anime girls like. She wants to create a hot guy, meet other hot guys. Like she's got a little bit of that sort of Fujoshi fandom 
in her for sure. <laughs> like it's which I find completely hilarious and and is also entirely different from her like real life personality and everything. Yeah. Also, you made a comment in in the chat when we were watching it about the names that she rejected. The the name that she comes <laughs> she goes with is Hayashi. Lightning of Black Darkness. What a title. Oh. What a title. Heavy Nightmare. I I quite liked that was a that was a great one. Um and I was like maybe like maybe she's just thinking about like how she felt about her previous job. Heavy Nightmare. And that's where all the names were coming from. <laughs> oh god. They were so bad. They they're all terrible in a in a great way. When they're translated, they're so bad. Per- perhaps they're like still sort of, sort of cheesy but not quite as cheesy to the Japanese ear but the translation is just amazing. It's great. It's fantastic. So the thing is, though, right, and I admit I am going to have to slightly spoil the fact that I, of course, have seen the other episodes ahead of time because I've already watched some of them. How dare you? But what the show is establishing here is that appearance is important. Yeah. But, which we'll save for the later episode of this, um, it's important in many different ways, in many different areas. So, uh, Morioka, unfortunately, cannot kill the boss, which looks like a Ratatat from a... Or Ratata, rather, from a... Um, <laughs> is it a Ratata or a Rest Cake? I can't remember which one. What, whichever one it was, the one with the giant yeah. teeth, it looks exactly yeah. like it. She can't kill it. So after, like, respawning five times or so, uh, she is found by um, another character, another player named Lily. And... Again, about appearance, you mentioned before cute anime girls. Like, one of the things I find so fascinating about this is that Lily is, as designed, absolute grade A waifu material for those who are interested in that kind of stuff. She oh, man. read Like, if you told me that the person who designed her, like, who drew her and came up with the character's concept was the same person who did, say, Rem from ReZero, right. I completely buy that. Yeah. Because it feels very much like that. But... Think about it. Who actually designed Lily in-universe? The person playing her. Correct. And that will have indeed become very important later on. So Lily's like pink-haired, got bows in her hair. Like She plays a healer as well. And tell you now for free, support classes in any MMO. Like, oh my god, you poor people. <laughs> I, I, I subbed a healer for a time in World of Warcraft, and I enjoyed doing it. Except for the times when the tank would, like, do something stupid, like, dare I use an old meme, stand in the fire. Like, tank, like, heal me, healer, I'm dying. And I'm like, you're the one fucking up here. Move. (laughs) But, yeah, you get a lot of shit if you play a support character and you're just meeting random people online. I can attest that fact. That's got to be not very fun uh, for folks to do in certain games. Believe me, my old guildmates, like, they... They mentioned many a time, those that played healing classes, how often they had to deal with that in pickup groups, how they generally they were just useless. And they started giving shit afterwards. <laughs> um, I, I found it hilarious, by the way, that uh, when Lily heals... Why is his name escaping me? Hayashi. Um, when Lily heals Hayashi, uh, his torn clothes also are magically mended. Indeed. It's just fantastic and, <laughs> it's and great. great. It was a wonderful thing that they did. It's the the magic spares no expense. So like they, they with Lily's help, Hayashi get slays the boss and they become friends. 
And poor Morioka, right? We, the anime cuts back to actually her in real life occasionally to show her reactions firsthand to things that are going on. Some of which are amazing because they're quite funny. Like, she yes. bangs her head against the desk at one point saying, I'm never going to lose my virginity as a man. Like, And then she just looks at the camera and goes, oh, oh yeah, right, I, I can't do that anyway. Oops, <laughs> silly me. And she's got some amazing faces. Like, also when so she's good. trying to think of a gift to get for Lily later, she's just, like, looking with, like, one finger on her chin. And it's just great. Yes. The, the facial expressions in this show, both the really exaggerated ones and the more subtle ones, are fantastic. Love it. Love it. And when she's, like... Mm rubbing her hands together with like sort of evil glee when <laughs> these like awkward or cute moments are happening like they're both going inside the anemone or something yeah just too you, good you get the feeling that Morioka like uh, obvious metaphor though it is like one of the first things Morioka does when she actually gets back to her apartment after she quits the job is to take her hair tie out and just let it run light down past the shoulders mm-hmm. literally letting her hair down a bit on the nose, perhaps, but that seems to follow through with her actions later on. But admittedly, we haven't seen anything of her workplace prior to this. But you get the impression she's starting to get more comfortable with herself and starts to like, you know, let some of her eccentricities out. Yes. Um, to go back to Lily briefly, though, with regards to design, I, we mentioned like, you know, how Marioka picked a, a male character and then designed him in such a way as to be aesthetically pleasing to her. Mm-hmm. We later find out in this episode that Lily, as it turns out, is played by a man. So we've got a gender swap here. Like, we have Marioka playing a guy and Lily being played... Sorry, and this guy playing Lily. And immediately you get some interesting implications because of this as far as the gender roles are concerned. I mean, I admittedly am leaping a bit here by assuming the sexuality of both Marioka and uh, the gentleman in question... I'm by, by which I mean I'm assuming they're hetero. Right. But if you think of it this way, there's a scene, there's the scene with the sea anemone in which they're getting quite chill with each other in there. Uh, more like, you know, that kind of, oh God, we're really close to each other, ah, kind of thing. Wait, uh-huh. But if you play it in your head, like, the guy doesn't know that Morioka is a woman playing a guy character. And conversely, Morioka doesn't know that Lily is played by a guy. So this is all platonic at least at least i think it i feel it is it's intended as platonic but they're just there's an odd conflation here of how they would act in real life with how they would in the game and then of course you get set up for the twist which will come at some point when these two meet and realize who each other is right and then as a result of that the rules of play are completely different it's interesting that in that scene when when they're in the anemone you do have that kind of awkward like laughter and a little bit of um, bashfulness about being in yes close contact despite like and both neither player knows the identity or gender or whatever of the other player on the other end but it, it seems like they're still feeling that feeling i think because they're so i don't know there's like a point where they become invested in the character and the fact that their male character is with you know, a female character. And Mm. it just seems like that, you know, you're not thinking about, well, the person controlling Hayashi is a boy, uh, is, is a, is a male, is a man. And I am a man and I'm not into other men or like, she's not thinking here's Lily, a woman. And I need to be, I'm thinking about what I Morioka am attracted to. 
it just seems like they're totally thinking about themselves as the character. Like they're thinking about the role characters. Play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Like the the element of like role play, kind of and experiencing real emotions as the people that are doing the role playing, like hmm. because of something that the characters are doing. Like that's a neat thing that can go on in human beings and how storytelling can affect you. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really cool. There is definitely a bit of role play there, but a, a lot of the dialogue between Lily and Hayashi um, is also just about their lives. Or, or rather, Lily does speak mostly about, like, I just want to play the game to get away from work. The guildmaster um, speaks to Hayashi Marioka later on and says the same. There's, there's a moment later on in the episode that I found really telling, and I think it's going to be one of the central theses of the show that's going to get tested and probably debunked as it goes along. So, to offer some context, what... Does it have anything to do with an elephant? Well, there is an elephant in the room. <laughs> hey! That's actually literally what happens. An elephant just yes. bursts into the room. And then this elephant monster... For some reason, and I don't know if this is a joke at the expense of, like, really cheap, like, Asian MMOs that don't have proper, like, you know, sound files or resources, <laughs> but the elephant roars and it sounds like a cougar. It's amazing. It's great. Amazing. <laughs> and it looks so goofy as well. It blasts snow at them through its trunk. Like, it's a Pokemon. Why? It's just, it is. And it also appears to be wearing a hairpiece. It wouldn't surprise me. All of the monsters in Fruits the Mail like, that I've seen that so far are the goofiest, like, Sesame Street-esque nonsense ever, and it's great. It is they're really so, great. They're so placid-looking. Like, the, <laughs> the, the, the rats are... Oh, the ratty cake one. Great. Even the, um, the big, like, werewolf monster that they cut to briefly, he gets sort of hutified when Hayashi runs away because he doesn't know the controls. Ah, he's a keyboard turner, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, what a scrub. Um, but anyway, the thing is, right, this this scene, right, of the elephant is preceded by um, Hayashi, Marioka, deciding that what they're going to do, they're going to grind and get a very ultra-rare cosmetic item called a crystal rose and give it to Lily for Christmas, which is sweet and nice, and that's cool. This results, unfortunately, in Hayashi avoiding Lily for quite some time, so that way he can try and accomplish this in secret. Because he doesn't want, don't want to find out, like, if, you know, I'm sharing this quest with you, and the reward is quite clearly stated to the Crystal Rose. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Same as you would when you buy anything for anyone in real life as a birthday present or a Christmas present. You want to keep the wrapping on first hand. And you also want to, like, earn it yourself, I think, you know? Because if she's taking part in it, then, like, it will be weird. For him to be like, here, here's this thing that you helped me win. Yes, that is you're also right. Partly your, that would be a weird gift. Exactly. Um, but because, of course, uh, Marioka or Hayashi, I'll just call it Marioka for the sake of argument, doesn't tell Lily um, about this, Lily um, gets a bit dejected. Uh, to the point where she's sat in a bar, like, on her own, and she's drinking a cocktail, which I thought was quite classy. I was like, what the hell? What, did Jill Stingray mix that one up? I could go for that. <laughs> um, but the guildmaster uh, intervenes in this when he and Hayashi Marioka uh, go to this dungeon and we get two rules laid out here which are going to become important later I think first one no romance between guild members none we're keeping it chaste here's the loot for you the chastity belt of plus six to cut blocking you can't you know 
No, no funny business. None of it. But the other thing, which is what Hayashi or Morioka, it's important that she's saying this, by the way, responds to this, makes a clear distinction. Real life is real life, and MMO is MMO. Right. Distinct, separate things. The Venn diagram for these two, they do not overlap in the slightest. Or do they? Hmm. Hmm. The moment I the moment I saw that line in the in this episode, the first time I watched it, I immediately thought, right, that's this show's mission statement. This is what everyone this is what you'll refer back to for all of the various moments in which that gets bent or broken. It is going to test that. Like it's it's the show is setting out, I think, to well, I mean, I don't know if it's like necessarily an idea show. Like it might be, you know, the the romance might be the thing here, but but I think in in pursuing that, it is going to test that whole idea of the separation between between online game and real life for sure. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't say it's an idea show, but I think you can have elements of that in there. You can certainly yeah. test things while while handling the romance bit. So what then happens is that uh, he. Hayashi just gets a different rose. It's a coloured one rather than the crystal one. Uh, gives it to Lily. Uh, they, we get a scene set that becomes important in later episodes where they sit on a tree and talk about things. Uh, Morioka is revealed to be incredibly socially awkward, even online. Like, what do I say? <laughs> what do I do? I don't yes. know what I'm doing. And so, because this is an interrupt to Christmas, Morioka unfortunately also leaves her fridge completely bare apart from a single pepperami sausage and a pudding. So funny. Of of all things to leave in there. I know. So she ventures outside, goes to the local supermarket, and this poor woman, like, I really get the feeling that she just wants to let loose and just be more herself because <laughs> she's walking in, she gets all the stuff she wants. So beer, snacks, ready meals, you name it. She's very mad that the store is so crowded with couples because it's Christmas. She's just grumbling about it the whole time. It's great. Mm-hmm. I I may also have done that. I have been <laughs> myself many a time. I mean, Christmas is one of those unfortunately obnoxious times of years where if you're in a tough place, it can be smothering just as... It can feel almost like people are rubbing your nose, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's no surprise that when... To get slightly more serious here about what we're talking about, in the UK, when we have Christmas television on, on the public uh, services, so BBC and the ITV... Uh, channels as well as Channel Four and Channel Five. If when you when you watch them, you'll often see a little insert at the bottom of the TV show saying something to the effect of, "If you're not feeling particularly festive at Christmas and want to talk, please dial this free phone number," which mm. is which is nice. But but it's not surprising, and, and given that Morioka's um, whole reason, I think, for actually playing this game is just to connect with people, or at least just to distract her, because it's escapism. Yeah, that's what that's what this game is. It's escapism for her. To have to venture out into that place and just be smothered with all these people, like all these cute schools going, Merry Christmas and all that. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> but put the poor woman, right? She goes up to the counter and she spots a, what I think is a chicken wing in the counter, like the last one of Christmas chicken. And because it's Japan, fried chicken is the big thing in Christmas, <laughs> from what I understand. I mean, we get turkey over here and stuffing. They want yeah. KFC. And you know what? All power to them. For, for those who don't know. Uh, Christmas in Japan is a much less family-centric holiday, and it's a lot more akin to Valentine's Day in the West. It is much more a couple's holiday, even though the decorations will remain 
the same. You know, you see the fish mm-hmm. with Christmas hats on, and you see Lily dressing up in her Christmas outfit. Uh, the the country sort of treats it. Um, they, they don't have any of the religious and and you know familial kind of uh, undertones with it. It is a lot more of a couples holiday, and uh, it's a holiday that young people I think really enjoy because of that. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's still slightly kind of skewed differently. She spots this, and the stomach starts growling, and this is one of the things where I just get the impression, like, it wouldn't be very, dare I say, and I'm I'm not agreeing with this, I'm just stating it, ladylike, for her to be seen grabbing that for herself. This Christmas chicken in there, you know. But <laughs> she wants it. Yes. And she goes for it, but unfortunately she speaks at the exact same time as someone else. Uh, that would be Sakurai, uh, Lily's player, who is in the same store. And I love Morioka's reaction to this. She turns to him and puts on a face that look that's just priceless. What? <laughs> like, like it's like the face I imagine Julius Caesar would have made when Brutus stabbed him in the back. <laughs> it was great. She looks at him with such wonderful face, like, "How dare you steal my chicken?" Yes, I will not stand for this. And she ended you up getting the it. Day. <laughs> she ended brilliant. up walking away with the chicken. Uh, she got, and she also got very embarrassed. I, I bless, just bless her. Poor thing. Just, just bless her, honestly. But that, in my, to my knowledge or memory, is pretty much the episode at that point. We finish off yeah. learning. We've got the setup. We know about Marioka. We've got hints about what's gone on. We know, for example, about her leaving the job. Uh, the, the fact that she wept a little bit after, you know, meeting Lily and getting the friend request. Mm-hmm. Some some sensitivity issues here. Um, I think we let's mention is there's a brief flashback that Mario has about the previous MMO she played. Yeah, it makes her cry uncontrollably. Like, well, I say cry. That, that makes it sound like she's weeping. She's unconsciously, she, she tears up when thinking about it. Which I think will become important later on. Um, we learn that who Sakurai is. Um, we learn a bit more about the premise of the world. It's a good start for the show. It certainly got me hooked. One interesting thing to note that I should say right here as well about Sakurai is we we immediately learn that he's got a job and he's a fairly normal-looking guy for anime characters anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, glasses-wearing, shaggy hair. He doesn't look unkempt. He doesn't look untidy. He doesn't seem like, you know, he's doesn't take care of himself. He's a regular guy, but he's playing this MMO. And I think that one of the other things I think that this show might be trying to do a little bit, not to wholly, or at least of its whole intent, is possibly to destigmatize the notion of what online games mean to people. Like, maybe. I guess that's more possible with this since it's a um, a Jose book. Um, well, since it's based on a Jose book. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking about like just anime. Like, I think the market, like, who's going to watch anime. I'm not sure if they have any stereotypes or, or stigmas about online. I think they are the online gamers. Hmm. Well, no, I suppose not. And merely my experience with uh, anime that focus on MMOs is limited entirely regressively no. to sword art online. <laughs> which... I think re- regardless of whether or not the intention on the part of the author is there, I think it's a well-made point that Sakurai can function in this way as a character. Yeah. And we sympathize with Morioka as well. Like, we learn very, like, we learn about what, you know, she's quit. 
She's upset the fact she's quit. She just wants some connection. We sympathize with her. We find her warm and entertaining and very human for that matter as well. And also, like, when we meet, there's, there's a scene in which the, Lily is at the bar, as we mentioned before, where she mentions to one of her colleagues about, or one of her guild members about uh, Mario Collette, you know, not spending time with her. But there are people there just chatting, shooting the breeze about real life. Like, one says he's just on a break from game, driving home. Like, they're not strictly talking about in-world stuff here, like discussing, like, the latest raid or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think that I want to see the show do, hopefully over time, is I want to see if it will assert, like, overtly or not, um, a comparison between the value of real-life interaction, like when you meet someone in person, and interaction online. Online interaction will always be an inherent disadvantage simply because of body language not being a factor. Body language is a big part of how we communicate. It's been proven. It's like the majority of what constitutes communication in a conversation. So you're always going to have that as a as a thing that's going to work against it. But that's just how a message is delivered. The content uh, of, of what your interactions are online, I still think is incredibly value, valuable. I mean, to speak from my own history here, like when I played World of Warcraft, which for those of you who are not in the know is where my handle Shaden originates from, is the name of my undead rogue and then my undead death knight. Um... I think that from what I've seen from the people I've interacted with, they there were a lot of them who found a great solace in playing with people online in this manner, where they could escape and be someone over themselves, and yet still also be themselves in some way. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting people from World of Warcraft in real life. Um, I've been to, in fact, it was the very first, very first get-together I ever had with a gaming community that I had never met in person before, and never seen, mm. uh, involving, like... We went to a pub, we on a pub crawl of saws. Uh, I chatted with one of them who was a hell's angel. He was a, he was a right punk. Oh, God. I would ne- not on my, not on my best day would I have ever challenged him to a fight. He looks hard as nails. Uh, and there was another guy who, he was very, he was very well-spoken, camp sounding, darkest sense of humor I'd ever heard. Like the, some of the, uh. some of the jokes he was coming out with, probably a bit on PC these days, but they were, they were uh. funny. Um, all great people though. Um, that gave me the confidence to meet more people um, from online. That's so cool. Yeah, I still I still enjoy talking with people. I mean, how how many times have you and me talked about stuff that's not to do with oh anime, Doc? Yeah, quite a few. There you go. So I think that there's a nice message already established in this show about, you know, people can still interact and get meaning and value from that interaction, even if there isn't in person. Mm-hmm. But... As we, as you probably have guessed from the show's premise, though, what's going to happen when Marioka and Sakurai actually meet in person? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. I know. I know. It's how are they going to handle each other's foibles? That is something that yeah. I'm thinking about and that we'll probably touch on in future episodes, uh, I think. N- not probably, for sure. Um, oh, yes. So I think to close, to close this one out, uh, we can each give uh, a quick final thought and then we rate each episode on a scale of one to five. I'm going to say that I really like this episode. I think it set a great tone for the show. Very engaging, very cute. I I love the way the show looks nice and bright. Uh, Like the color palette, the characters adorable raises interesting kind of uh, points to think about that we talked about. And it's just really a lot of fun uh, with, 
uh, character in Morioka that's really fun to root for. Uh, I'm going to give this episode uh, four convenience store beers out of five. (laughs) What a a way to say it. I'm in agreement. You always have like the three episode rule, but I think the first episode is always something that's got to get you going right away. And there's some very wonderful craft choices, like the very understated way in which we introduce Morioka in her uh, apartment. Like there's no... We get an inner monologue from her later about her saying that she's become a neat and that she's chosen this deliberately. That's not until like nearly the halfway point of the episode. So what we learn like is mostly from sight and and sounds. Like there's no one there. She has a I I wouldn't know if you'd call it a daki mirror or not. Like it's a hook thing, like with a cat head on it. Right. I I don't know what you call it. I'm sure some people would would educate me on that. But she has that. There's no one there waiting for her. I love that hug pillow. I think that we get a, there's a lot of like really interesting creative decisions here on how things are directed and framed and what's said versus what not said as well. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely funny. Like I, Umaru is meant to be a comedy, and I found it to be one of the most shrill, ear piercing pieces of shit I've ever heard. <laughs> this, however, irrespective of the fact that the character is of a similar age to me. I mean, you might think that age would be a reason why I'd hate Amara. No, I just hate Amara because he's an absolute shithead. But um, age not isn't a factionist. There's a lot of nice little jokes here about just just her reactions and also how it's handled in the game world as well. Uh, I do agree with you also about the art. I think that some of the facial expressions, like it, the art comes across a little simplistic in some places with facial expressions, but I don't mind that mm. because... They're always usually done to great effects, like the little curved mouth that uh, Hayashi makes when he gets when um, the guildmaster says, "No one knows who the gender is in real life." Right, like, you know. Yes, it's appealing. It is, yeah. I I can't really fault the opening of this show, um, and I'm not really sure what I would suggest to improve on it. To be quite honest, I suppose the biggest criticism I could make is that because it is done so well. It sets my expectations yeah. higher and means that, you know, I'm about, dare I say, it, am I going to have the Caddo effects with this? No, 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 I, no, no, I'll just say, I'll just say this right now, right? If no, no, I no, don't, no. if I don't get a moment at the end of MMO where Morioka and Sakurai don't like, you know, hold hands and walk off into the sunset, okay, so I will flip my desk over, I will cancel my Crunchyroll account. I'll throw my PC out the window and I'll live a life of a Luddite. I'll I'll be done. This is extreme. This is very extreme. I'm not sure I endorse this bet. Uh, do you think it might not happen? Listen, I I think it's going I th- I think you'll get it. But that's a lot to risk over anime. Uh, anime as you say has let me down before. Ah, uh, this is true. <laughs> this is, you're not wrong, Doc. You're not wrong. But um on my rating scale, I will give this a Four out of five cans of convenience store lager and also a shot of brandy as well. Ooh, lovely, lovely. For just, that one's for the holidays. Hell yes. Uh, so I, I guess we hope to be, you know, we've got a little ways to catch up. So uh, we hope to be bringing you these uh, in a f- fashion such that we can catch up with uh, where the show is before the show ends. That's the goal. So look for these in the feed on the regular. Indeed. Thank you all very much for listening, folks. Hope you enjoyed the new format. If you do have any thoughts or 
comments or the like on how this has played out, by all means, let us know. Um, if you do want to check out Recovery of Mo Junkie, it is on Crunchyroll. I would, so far, very highly recommend it give it a look. Um, and until next time, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Yes, indeed. Take care. I stole your line. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll do it. <laughs> Ha <laughs>